evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course, and an interesting round of footy to talk about this weekend. And who better to talk about it with than my two cohorts, Nikki? How are you going, Nick? I'm going very well. I've got the heater on under a rug and the cat in the lap. Pleased to hear it. And Macca, how are you doing, Mac? Well, none of that, but I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm kind of, I don't know whether I'm happy or disappointed about that, Macca, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, as long as you have, like, a nice glass of bread or something like that, Macca, to keep you warm. Yeah. We're, looking after, we're looking after ourselves, Nicky. That's right. And uh, how was your weekend? Uh, well, busy one. Um, it was Mrs Macca's birthday today. and uh, Happy and birthday, Mrs Macca. Yes, I'll, I'll, do, I'll relay that on to her. But, and the day's basically been dedicated to her and... Uh, um, well, that's a bit selfish, lovely. isn't it? Oh, well, she's a lovely lady. We we had a family function with all the family there, from uh, you know, all the children, grandchildren, all everybody was there, so it was good. Ah, uh, very good, very good. Well, my weekend was much the same. I went and saw uh, Detective Pikachu today <laughs> with my partner oh, and my son, and it was actually a lot better than uh, John Wick Three that I saw last week. So go figure. Um, it was actually quite reasonable uh, for what it was. Anyway, look. If, if, if we're doing a little movie talk, then Rocket Man is awesome. Go see Rocket Man. Yeah, there were tons yeah. of people lined up to see Rocket Man today. Uh, so I'm not surprised that that's a good one. There's anyway, great reports on it. Mm. We've got a bit to uh, get through tonight, so why don't we get straight into the scores, shall we? Well, aside from our debacle, uh, there were some interesting scores. Hard to keep, uh, hard to keep up with some of them this week. Um, I caught one or two and missed a couple of others. I don't know how you guys went with your tips. Uh, yeah, well, there was a few upsets, wasn't there? There was a few, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm kind of kicking, my, kicking myself, I didn't go with my head on some of these and kind of went with. Oh, I think this team should be. Uh, there goes Nikki with her audio cutting out again. That's I wonder why that started to happen, Nick. No idea. No. Anyway, let's get into the scores. And Friday night was the first upset of the round. Uh, North Melbourne having the usual new coach bounce. Uh, we should have all picked it, but reassure. I mean, come on. Uh, Ninety-nine oh, to sixty-two yeah. over Richmond, a margin of thirty-seven points. Stole my lines there. I was thinking, you know, you should go for the. New- uh, the, the the coach that takes over from the one that's been sacked, they usually win first up. And I looked, I heard, I saw Reshaw on the TV, and I thought, no way. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. But well, look, um, they played pretty good footy actually, and um, they were far too good. Far too good. Yep, they looked all right, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long that they, lasts. Does that suggest that they underperformed? Well, that's always the question, isn't it? You know, if they can aff- if they can perform to that level uh, the one week, why can't they perform to that level another week? Surely, you know, they all seemed to get around Brad Scott when he was there and when that, all that was going down. So uh, why all of a sudden the change just because they got a new coach? I don't know. Anyway, never mind. Uh, 
Saturday, the Giants uh, fast firming as my premiership favourite. Um, I know it was only the Suns, but geez, they look good right now. 126 to 43 over the Suns, a lazy 83 points. Even over Geelong and they can't play at the MCG still? Yeah, I don't know, Nick. Yeah, my man Coniglio, he, he was outstanding and um, um, he, he's been suffering a finger injury and he's been played played with it and missed one game, but he he was really on song and you've got Kelly and I'm, I'm with you, Fiend. I think they are, they're one of the ones, they've got, they're, they're in the top three chances for the flag in my book. Yeah, I just, I, I reckon any club, and I might have said this before, but I reckon any club needs to go through a bit of adversity before they can succeed and... Uh, GWS have had that over the last couple of years and I think it might have just steeled them a little bit uh, macker. It's going to be very interesting to see how they play in the second half of the season, I reckon. They're getting tougher. They are. Um, Players maturing. Yes, I agree. Uh, And perhaps realising that, uh, you know, not everything's going to be handed to them like it was in their junior careers and all that sort of stuff. And they've probably got a better balance now, I reckon. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the first of the uh, upsets, which I happened to jag, and I called this, I reckon, I don't know, Wednesday night at work, Wednesday at work, uh, Fremantle getting up over Collingwood, 79-75. to 75, A little bit controversial, but uh, Frio played pretty well to get the four points. Uh, they did, didn't they? And uh, they're very lucky to get the four points, as we know, because the uh, um, the, the uh, third umpire, is now, well, not the third, fourth umpire, the video umpire, video referee, whatever he's called, um, he's actually said that he, uh, the uh, equipment failed. <laughs> he didn't. Wow, get. really? Yep, and the equipment failed, so he didn't get an opportunity to see when the ball was touched as it was kicked. So he looks at the goal line instead. Bloody hell. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and this is the AFL just cheap-shotting that kind of stuff and not actually working it through, as we know. But the thing is, I don't think you can say that, Macca, because if that was called a point, that means the way the rest of the game panned out completely changes. Exactly. It becomes a kick out. Of course you can, and so, you're, quite, you're quite right. Um, see, but, look but, at that, Macca. I'm right. Nikki, you're partially <laughs> right. Look, you if, I have, to, if I have to ban the both of you from this chat, if people knew what the banter was before this actually went live, <laughs> they'd understand. I'm, I'm going to have my hands full tonight. Yep. <laughs> Bit of fun. We have fun. It's all fun. Um, no, Fremantle have actually, it was a good call, Faye, because Fremantle have been playing well in Melbourne uh, this year and Collingwood have just been doing enough. So I hope this is a, a nice little kick in the pants for those players who are just doing enough and not putting all together, a four-quarter effort together for Collingwood because they've got a good team that oh, they can look, once yeah. again make it to the grand final. Actually, very good comment there, Nikki, because they're, they're, they have... They're in and out of games. Yeah, because they've been the last couple of games against very lesser teams. They've sort of coasted, got in a little, a little in a situation where it could have gone either way, and then just kicked it, kicked in and just knocked the game off. And but uh, they couldn't do that against a side like Fremantle that were pretty tough, who ran over them at the end. Yeah, I, I don't have too many concerns about Collingwood. Uh, you're going to drop one or two, uh, even yep. Hawthorne did in their heyday, and uh, it's a long season, etc., etc. Um, so you know, probably a nice little shake up just to keep them uh, keep them interested. Um, Sydney was the other upset that I tipped, and they looked good, but just couldn't just couldn't get their noses in front over Geelong, who ended up winning uh, by 22 points, 85 to 63. Yeah, well. 
you know, home ground advantage for a start. Um, very good midfield, uh, Geelong. Um, uh, they're aging midfield. They've moved out. They've got some of the younger boys in there. Kelly is a Rolls Royce. He's so smooth at picking the ball up. The, uh, oh, you know, oh, I just wish we had somebody like that in our midfield because he's, he's got that electric pace. He picks the ball up and he's away and he uses the ball very well. As, I think uh, we do, Macca. He's just a bit younger. Jordan Gallucci, I reckon, is one to keep an eye on in that regard. Yes. Yeah, he's on the way up, no doubt about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Geelong... And look, Sydney are in a rebuild mode. There's no doubt about it. They're definitely in a rebuild mode. I thought they played reasonably well, uh, but Geelong just... Uh, much more classier side overall. I was disappointed to see the cornflower I put on the oval didn't have any impact on the grass. <laughs> oh, Nikki! <laughs> Nikki, you could get arrested for that. We didn't know the wind was going to blow that way. In, in fact, I might dob you in. Um, <laughs> no, all the staffers saw us do it. So yeah, okay, um, today. Uh, I didn't watch any of the footy, but apparently uh, Port got up uh, in in front of nine disinterested people uh, over St Kilda by 70 points, 139 to 69. Well, our family function, we did have the TV on the footy because uh, we are a bit of a footy family. Um, look, what a useless game that is. Seriously, it is a useless bloody game. Uh, first of all, you look at the game. They reckon the game sold out. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Who knows? You've got, you can see nobody there at all. Most of the seats are empty. They say because it's warm, they're all in the uh, hospitality tent. That's a load of rubbish. We've never, nobody's ever seen a photo of the hospitality tent. No, it's a load of rubbish. Yeah, just a pile of tarps out the back, I would imagine. Um, But no, it it was a pointless game, unfortunately for St Kilda. Not having experienced it like Port Adelaide did, they went across there, they uh, got the Chinese equivalent of Bailey Belly, whatever you get over there. Yep. And um, uh, Port Adelaide were very, very meticulous in their preparation. I heard KT talking about that with food, etc., to make sure that they didn't get that situation. Uh, St Kilda next year, though, they'll be obviously a lot more professional about it. But as a result of that, it was a, a mismatch and a very uninteresting game and made Port look a lot better than they really are. Oh, yeah. I there, there is no way in a pink fit that that game gets sold out every year. It's just why why does Gill and the AFL just continue to treat the uh, AFL fan base as a bunch of idiots? It, it's quite clear that there is no interest in China for Australian rules football. Why bother? Well, if you're going to go firstly, they've got they've got too many problems at home. They should be fixing up. Like Gold Coast, what a basket case that is in terms of financially, etc. Giants, even though they are a good football team financially, they still rely on massive handouts of money. Port Adelaide rely on massive handouts of money. So Thank there's you. a lot. Of, thank you. Yeah, look, there's a lot of problems at home. I'd, I'd much prefer they concentrated on them. Yep, I agree. Um, Essendon uh, keeping us in the number one slot for the uh, the upcoming draft, seventy four to thirty three over Carlton. Do you think Bolton survives the week? Well, I did get to watch this one a little bit more of this. Uh, only probably the last half more. Playing, I'm scared. I think the Bolton's going to get the sack. They might win some games um, because seriously, they've been halfway through the season and won one game. And Essendon, I saw the list of outs that Essendon had. It was probably 
five or six very classy players out, and yet Carlton were like a limp lettuce leaf. They have, they've got nothing. Um, even their captain Cripps, he's getting tagged out, and he's and he's virtually given up. He's virtually given up. The last two games, he's virtually given up. And uh, I can't see a future for Carlton. The last two games, they've actually put a hard tag on Cripps for the first time, and it's just showing up that he's got nothing around him. Well, he and I, I agree, Nick. Sorry, sorry, Nick, to interrupt you. Um, I, I agree, and I really wonder whether Patrick Cripps is going to want to spend the rest of his football career playing in that environment because he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. He doesn't owe that club anything. And you're right, they just sit on him now. He's the only bloke that is giving anything in that middle. Uh, so they just sit on him. So that's not a fun way to play the game for Patrick Cripps. And uh, I, I wouldn't mind betting that he's on the he's on the trade table at the end of the year. I really wouldn't. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Well, before that, though, the coach, I think, Fiend, my, my guess is if I was on the Carlton board, he would be gone now. He would be gone now if I was on the Carlton board. What's well, your thoughts? The, well, the the Carlton board themselves are under the pump. Um, so whether they uh, whether they uh, make a move just to uh, be seen to be doing something, I don't know. But I, that that club is going to go through a, a lot of turmoil uh, in the coming months. I can see the board being basically wiped out. Um, I wouldn't mind betting that Bolton doesn't survive the week. Um, the only way he survives the week is if he's uh, if they don't have the money to pay him out. My opinion. They they have to get rid of the board because it was the board that approved that trade pick with us, which was the height of stupidity. And they yeah. keep backing in at Sauce as their list manager, and everybody from outside that club can see that that is where the problem starts. That list is not good. Well, the players on the ground aren't as bad as the, as the results are, Nicky. They they genuinely aren't. But he doesn't. Yeah, but once those players are out, they've lost Doherty for the year, and once they lost him, I knew they were very rarely going to win a game because of how um, much drive he provides off of that halfback line. Because their midfield can't apply the defensive pressure, therefore it ends up in their back line. They have to rely on him to get the ball out of there to give them a chance to actually deliver it to their forwards. Their forward line, yes, they've got some great talent in there. They have. But the fact that they've got Cruiser who's perpetually injured, um, they've got Cripps that's being bashed around and is going to end up – they they need to rest him because he's not going to have a long AFL career because of the punishment his body has to take because he's the only one who actually goes out there and tries. And I think the first chance you have one of the West Australian clubs come sniffing at him, if he's smart, he'll – He'll jump back there so fast as he could. There's so much issues in terms of their depth that they're overpaying particular players. Um, and I think Dane Swan kind of knocked it on the head this week when the you know if you played for Carlton, yeah, you'd be drinking. Yeah, and you would, and you wouldn't mind, you wouldn't mind playing in the twos either. He'd want to yeah, play in that rabble. That's actually that's actually not yeah. a demotion. That's a promotion. Well, yeah. Just to sum it up, I, I, I fear that Bolton will go this week. Um, I think there's uh, much greater than a 50% chance he'll go this week. I hope that he goes to the last till the end of the year. Yep, I agree. 
look, and the last game uh, going on at the moment, it's almost finished. West Coast coasting to the line, pardon the pun, 133-71 to 71 at the moment over the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have kicked a couple late, um, but the West Coast Eagles doing that one easily. And just for the benefit of Barty Magic, um, who asked did I watch one less <laughs> game in honour of Mrs. Mack's birthday, this was a game I didn't watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that leaves us with a, uh, a ladder that's starting to take a little bit of shape, I think. Uh, we have the Cats still on top with, uh, hang on a sec, 40, 40 points. Uh, in On 32 points, we have the Giants and Collingwood. Giants, very healthy percentage too, 139%. Uh, Brisbane Land and West Coast Eagles on 28 points, along with Richmond, who just... Uh, their ranking probably belies their current form. They're only just going at the moment, Richmond. They could be uh, a little bit vulnerable, and their percentage uh, kind of suggests that, uh, 101%. So uh, actually, West Coast will go up to 32 points um, to join uh, GWS and Collingwood. Um, Port and the Crows in the eight on 24 points. Uh, Fremantle outside the eight on 24 points. Uh, then we have Essendon and Hawthorne and St Kilda on 20. The Bulldogs, North Melbourne and uh, on 16. Sydney and Melbourne and Gold Coast on 12. And poor old Navy Blues on four points. Mm. So, you know, I, I think it's starting to t- take shape. I think Richmond are the vulnerable ones, along with, obviously, us and Port in that top eight. I don't see... Anyone else really dropping out? To be honest with you, I think even the Brisbane Lions, I think, will have probably done enough at the beginning of the year that uh, they they should be looking at a top eight finish. Yep. Uh, and and the ones below, I mean, the problem with Frio is that they're winning, but their percentage is not good because of their game style. Oh, one hundred and ten percent, one hundred and ten percent Fremantle. That's not bad. Yeah, and it's the same as what ours is, and and that's also our problem in that we're playing because of that restrictive game style. So when it comes down to with the fact that there's, what is it, three or four teams on 24 points? Uh, um, yeah, there's three at the moment. Yeah, it comes down to percentage, and you really need to play that slightly more attacking game style to get that, and that's what makes you vulnerable. Yeah, I think Frio are the only one that look uh, anywhere near likely to come and come into the eight. Um, and as I said, there's probably three teams that look a little vulnerable within the eight. So even this early in the season, it, unless there's some form turnaround from, say, a, a, an Essendon or or maybe North Melbourne keep chugging along with Reeshaw, uh, the very, very eloquent Reeshaw <laughs> at, at the helm... Um, <laughs> You know, it doesn't look like there's going to be a huge amount of change. Well, if you look, if you go through the ladder, you've got the Geelong, Giants, Collingwood, West Coast Eagles, they're home and hoes, though, for They're going to be in the eight. Uh, Brisbane Lions, their form is, I suppose, they, they, I'd say the next four are the vulnerable four, Brisbane Lions, Richmond, Port Adelaide and the Crows. So we could all make it, those four, because... Uh, and when I say we could all back it, 
at worst, you'd probably think that only one of those is likely to drop out. Yeah. Uh, with Fremantle, it's obviously the, the team that would come in. And so really it's performances from now on with, between uh, Brisbane uh, Lions, Richmond, Port Adelaide and ourselves, and which uh, who's going to open the gate for Fremantle to get in. Because uh, they're playing well enough to get in um, if they can maintain the form. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it's I think it's Port that are probably the most vulnerable. Uh, it, it just probably remains to be seen how Richmond overcome their injuries, and it remains to be seen whether we can get through this little stretch uh, without too much damage. Um, and speaking of uh, Adelaide, why don't we talk about Adelaide now? Sorry, YouTube. Um, yeah, and it was the Crows uh, leading for, I don't know, what was it, one and a half minutes of the game? <laughs> two minutes of the game? Maybe two. Yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty funny when you think about it. Uh, the Crows getting up uh, 14 goals, 690 to 12 goals, 1688. So 20 scoring shots to uh, 28. Uh, the margin, two points in the end. Uh, Melbourne missing some gettable shots and kicking, what was it, one goal, eight in the final quarter to pretty much gift-wrapped gift wrapped the, the win to the Crows and the Crows were good enough to steal it. Yeah, well, well I thought our first half was abysmal, to be honest. Absolutely abysmal. Um, in terms of intensity, um, in terms of uh, uh, the way that we, the way the game was played, in the sense that we had, we seemed to have most of our players in the back lines, and yet they seemed to have loose players in their forward line, which is very difficult to understand. Which means that we obviously weren't working hard enough, or smart enough, or something. Um, we were losing. Um, I don't know what the clearances were. I haven't bothered to look at that, but uh, I felt that we, uh, in terms of effectively, they, they got the ball out of the centre much more effectively than we did because I thought that Gorn uh, monstered Paul uh, Riley and you know, he he really wasn't up, I mean, he's not up to that standard. Gorn, Gorn is one of the best two in, in the competition. Riley, and, Riley actually negated him quite well around the ground, though, which is where Gorn is at his most damaging. He's still a very good tap ruckman. Um, but I actually thought Riley did pretty well around the ground. Yeah, but I, I still think that, uh, you know, in the centre, it's very important to get those ones out of the centre too. Uh, Nicky, um, look, Gorn is a very, very good footballer. Riley O'Brien's a rookie ruckman. And I, I, one thing I will say for Riley O'Brien, I have never, ever doubted his courage and his, and I've never, ever doubted his endeavour. Um and he may, in the long run, and turn out to be a reasonably good ruckman because he does try his guts out. He's got a good leap, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, I don't think he's without ability, and I don't think he's without hope for the future. But um, you know, he's a rookie at this stage up against a master. And I thought, uh, on top of that, uh, Oliver just was killing us. And I don't know whether anybody was trying to contain him in that first half, but I, could, I didn't see it. Alone, it seems. Well, which is why he went nuts in the second quarter because Sloan was off, and we didn't switch anybody onto him. Well, he certainly did go nuts, uh, Nicky, and uh, uh, I, I just have this thing about our coaching panel that they react too slowly. This, I don't know, Fiend. You think I'm being unfair? Um, yes and no. I, uh, I don't know. Um. 
I said in the preview show with Cam that I thought the danger for us was getting done on the outside, and that's exactly what happened in the second quarter. Yes. Uh, we they they uh, they set up particularly well, and they were getting us on the rebound uh, quite regularly. And their transition cut us up. We weren't running defensively very well. Um, Brad Crouch again worries me with his defensive running. Cameron, Cameron Ellis Yolman, as much as he played a very good game can be a bit of a jogger uh, defensively. Uh, I don't think we worked hard enough defensively um, and it exposed again our defence, particularly with Hardigan out. Um, I, as soon as Hardigan came out and we brought in a small, it, it worried me because uh, I just didn't think DMAC was the right choice, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, so for for pretty much all of the second quarter, they just did us on the outside, and we looked second rate as a consequence. Um, but I did feel Macca that we regrouped quite well at half time, yeah. and I, I felt like in the third quarter, um, it was almost a bit of a star mate situation because we just didn't seem to be able to work through their zone effectively. Um, I think we had a reasonable amount of the ball. Um, and we our rebound 50 stats were, were reasonably good. But we just didn't seem to be able to move the ball quick enough um, and with any sort of aggression to be able to get through their zone. So they were able to set up behind the ball um, and then just work off the turnovers. And the disappointing thing with that is that we didn't have a marking target. And, and when you've got a, a team like Melbourne that are that are zoned back and uh, playing that grid style that they were. And you could see it quite clearly on the TV, uh, their grid setup. Um, If you don't have a marking target, it's very hard to break that up. And, you know, um, we'll talk about individuals in a moment, but uh, my observation was that it wasn't until the game broke open in the last and their zone broke down and we were able to start. Yeah, exactly, Nick. And, and, we were tired too, and even our, our transition work in the last quarter, it was <laughs> it was almost um, not comical, but it certainly wasn't smooth. It was, uh, you know, it was very much a bustling sort of style of, you know, do anything you can, and, and you've got to give the players credit for that because I think they were it's buggered. Again, almost again, yeah. It was, but they were buggered and they found a way, Mac, uh, and you can't... T- you know, you can't be too disappointed with that. You know, we kicked nine goals to three after half time, um, and that's not a bad effort because we were down and out at half time. We kicked four yep. goals to two in the third quarter, uh, despite really struggling to get through their defence. Um, and it seemed to me that Melbourne's, apart from Melbourne's kicking, like they kicked three goals uh, 12 after half time, but. I think some of that was because they they lost their aggression. They, certainly shutting down Oliver was a, a, a tick to the coach's box and a tick to Bryce Gibbs, who had that job. Um, but also blokes like Brayshaw and um, Jones stopped having as much of an influence in that second half. Uh, we shut down uh, their rebounding defenders like Hibbard and uh, who was the other one? Hoare, I think, off halfback. Um, who had been just bouncing everything out. Um, we started to get on top of that. And, uh, you know, so it was a fair turnaround. Kicking, kicking nine goals to uh, to three, nine goals three to three goals 12. Uh, so what's that, 15 scoring shots to 12. So we certainly matched it in terms of, um, 
you know, pings at goal, and uh, it was just that in the end, Melbourne didn't take their chances. One thing you did say about, and you mentioned Brad Crouch not running uh, into defence, I and you're correct about that, but I think it's a little bit unfair to pick him out because I thought none of the midfielders dropped back into defence. Uh, and that was our problem in the sense that when they did that uh, rebound, they were rebounding clearly, and, and I was... So I took careful note to notice that so many times when they got when they rebounded and got a goal from it, it was our midfielders were back about the half forward flank at best of the opposition. When the other when their players were up around uh, in between the half forward flank and the goals, so there was probably three or four of our blokes uh, coming down, not 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 just Brad. Yeah. Um, it was Harms, not uh, Hoare, uh, that I was thinking of. The other one that did really well for them was Bailey Fritch, I thought, um, played quite well. He played well. Yeah, um, played very well. So they, they were getting a lot of bounce off that halfback. So, look, without going into uh, individuals at all at the moment, I just felt like we still have some passengers defensively in that midfield, whether it be fitness or otherwise. I think I think uh, Seedsman is uh, struggling with leg speed at the moment. Um, one of them, yeah. Yeah, I, I, people bag players so quickly, but C's come back from a fairly uh, reasonable knee injury, uh, so he's been off off his feet for you know a few weeks, and and he's just playing like that. He's just a yard off, but you know, give the guy a break for goodness sake. Um, yeah, you know, but I'm, a couple I'm, of I'm others. Not too worried about. I'm not too worried about C's. Um, no, but I am. A, I'm quite a big fan of of his, and we know that he. He's actually one of the smart defensively running yeah, yeah. midfielders we have. Um, but I think the, the loss of Sloney was huge because he does um, work that midfield quite well. And if they're not doing what they should be doing, he's he's really picked up, up on that this year yeah. is that he corracts. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he does go two ways, Nicky. Yeah, and, and he does. Um, so the fact that we did it with him off for... Essentially three quarters because it was the start of the second. Yep. Um, and and we've talked about this earlier in the year that these little tough wins are where we don't seem to deserve to win but we get the win. That is actually the type of wins that will get you into finals and winning finals because a lot of times you have teams that are restricting the way you want to play. So whilst there was a lot of swearing <laughs> in my living room, oh, yeah. Um, and I was very frustrated at the players and the coaching and the umpires. The the end of the day, for footy speak, it's the fact that we managed to keep at it, not drop our heads. Players who played bad first halves then picked it up and corrected in the second half. I'm pleased about. All right, let's go through some head-to-heads and see if we can uh, find uh, some sort of semblance of logic in this mess. Uh, disposals, Melbourne uh, outpossessed us 307 to 283. wasn't a huge disparity. Uh, Melbourne wanted to handball the ball a bit more than we did, uh, and they did it to good effect in the second quarter. Uh, but then I, I felt at times they overused after half-time. Um uh, marks were fairly even, 88 to 84 tackles. Uh, we won the tackle count, although the tackle count was low, 53 to 46, which is surprising uh, given that the game seemed to be a pretty hard-fought contest. Mm. Uh, um, hitouts, uh, despite all the uh, the words from Macarelia, uh, were in Adelaide's favour, 32 to 24. 
uh, with uh, Riley O'Brien getting 27 hitouts to Max Gorn's 21. So uh, chew on that, Mac. Um, the uh, let me have a look. Uh, disposals per. Talking about the centre bounce. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, mate. Um, <laughs> disposals per scoring shot was horrific for us. Uh, Twenty-one to sixteen. Uh, we know that it needs to be down around thirteen mark, twelve mark, and uh, so we're very uh, <laughs> overuse the ball. Inside fifties. We only had thirty-four inside fifties for the match. Um, to 45 to Melbourne it just shows that the game really was played between halfbacks um, you know because even the 45 from Melbourne probably is low considering how much they dominated the match at times um, clearances we won Macca 28 to 24 uh, rebound 50s uh, surprisingly surprisingly 34 to 23 our way I would have thought that number was would have uh, been in Melbourne's favour given how much they bounced off half-back in that second quarter. Uh, but uh, anyway, a couple of interesting... Oh, not yet. Uh, contested possessions, they won by 15. Um, and they also won uncontested possessions by 10. Uh, disposal efficiency was around about the same, uh, 73 mark. But here we go. Contested marks, 14 to 6. Marks inside 50, 18 to 7. Um, and if I can just jump down a bit, tackles inside 50, 14 to 7. So we can have a, we can have a conversation about our forward line in a minute. Clearances, 35 to 33. That was made up of centre clearances, which they won by 3, 16 to 13. We won it around the ground, 22 to 17. Um, as I said, rebound 50s were... Um, ridiculously in our favour um, and turnovers were about the same so the only stats that really uh, stand out to me are our aerial work and our work inside 50 yeah, and also your point too about the uh, a large majority of the game being played between the two half forward lines because when you take the total number of entries into the 50, forward 50 that is pretty low overall yeah, absolutely. And our delivery into the forward line was noticeably so bad once again, except if it was from Gallucci. Um, that kid knows how to pass a ball oh, beautifully. Oh, beautiful, yeah, beautiful. And to, to the advantage of the forwards. Um, I thought that our forwards were pushing up too high um, and that we think that we corrected that, corrected that a bit in the second, um, second half. Um but I agree with you, Fiend. As much as JJ did and um, he fought quite well, I mean, that goal in the last was very un-JJ-like and it actually showed that he's got his head in the right space. This is what he needs to do. Otherwise, Himmelberg's coming straight back in. And Elliot had a decent game in the SNFL um, and was moving well. I just I, – I still think – we don't gel well with him anymore in that forward line. So whatever's going on there, instructions, it just doesn't seem to work with him and Walker and Lynch. Um, my my opinion of the forward line is that JJ is not a natural forward and therefore often doesn't run to the right positions and we also know that he will run to the least 
the the area with the least amount of traffic rather than um, impose himself in a crowded space. Uh, there was a there yeah. was a, a key moment. Uh, I think it might have been in the last quarter from a kick out or a kick from our defence that went to uh, a pack that consisted of Gorn, Jenkins, Walker, and I think Alex Keith. And Gorn ended up with the ball, and Jenkins, as the tallest bloke there for us, just didn't want to impose himself on that contest. And it's indicative of the way Josh plays, and we know that's how Josh plays. That he doesn't, he will never be that smash and bash, you know, just push everyone aside, marking centre half forward. But I think it also impacts on his running patterns. I think he runs to easy, easy spaces like spaces where there's not a lot of contest, and often they're not where the kick's going to go. Uh, Tex, on the other hand, I think has a habit of getting up too high, whether by instruction or otherwise. And uh, often... Yeah, he's, he's trying to get that ball to create something. Well, I think this is a product of Tex trying to have an influence. And again, uh, Cam and I were talking about it on, on Saturday morning. I, I wish Tex would just give the captaincy to Sloney, uh, whether it be officially or unofficially or behind closed doors, because all I want Tex to do is concentrate on playing the last few years of his career as a forward. Because yeah, I think he's actually, I, th- I think he's actually trying too hard to have an influence on the game, and the amount of times we kicked the ball on Lockie Murphy's head because we didn't have a tall oh, in position, yeah. Yeah. you know. Now some of it, some of it's just bad decision making, but some of it is because Lockie Murphy is the only bloke there, and that's because our two key forwards, for for reasons that I've just mentioned, are, n- are not in the right positions. Jenkins because he he won't lead to where the ball needs to go, and Tex because he's often too high. So, you know, the only thing that I'll say in Jenkins' favour is that I think he he did a couple of things uh, on Saturday night that had we had Elliot in the team, I don't think Elliot would have been capable of doing them. Uh, that wrestle goal that Jenkins got, I don't think we would have got that from Elliot, not because of effort, but because of size. Yep. Yeah, uh, not yet. I think down the track we will get that from Elliot, but he's still young. Exactly. So at this stage, there there are certain things that Jenkins get, gives us when he's engaged that Himmelberg just isn't equipped at the moment to give us. Uh, I think there's not a question of doubt in my mind that Himmelberg will end up being the better forward. Uh, but right now, as it stands, if Jenkins is engaged, and I don't think Josh had a bad game, uh, it wasn't wasn't a wasn't game. great game, but it wasn't a bad game. But he's going to give us certain things that at the moment we're not getting from Elliot, um, and we probably won't until next season. This is definitely his best game of the year, though, Fiend. And it was um, um, he wasn't trying to be that um, sneaky guy at the back to trying to get an easy kick. He actually competed in a lot of contests that in games gone by that he wouldn't have, and I think that. He has got the message that he does have to uh, contest a lot more than uh, he had been, and I think that's obviously what his message was. Um, and I and I thought he did what he what he should have. You're quite right that he's not a natural forward. He doesn't always go to the right places. I don't think it's also helped by uh, Walker, as a, as you say. I think Walker's trying over hard to to be the captain, trying to urge everybody, trying to 
do this, try to do that, instead of just uh, well, look, I, I think. I think it's also that even if he's not the captain, he still would be a leader in that forward line and he would still be trying too hard um, because that forward line isn't gelling. The fact that he knows he's got JJ there now and that JJ is going to run to the same space he's possibly going to as we've, we've talked before. The, the fact that when we've had Elliot in the team, except for once Elliot started to get tired, that's when Tex started to look not so good as well. I, I think there really is that Tex is such a natural footballer and Elliot is also a natural footballer that when you put somebody like JJ down there, it means he's got to work a lot harder to try and get that forward line working. And it's the same with Lynch. Lynch was very quiet for large patches of the night, but when we really started to get a movement, that's when you saw Lynch bobbing up and actually... Um, getting that ball forward. Yeah, but I know today that the Melbourne tools stay a lot closer to gold than ours do, much closer. Well, and it's been noticeable uh, with other teams that have tool marking options. West Coast were the same. You didn't see Darling. Oh, Darling probably works up a bit, but certainly Kennedy Darling doesn't. does. Kennedy stays in that fifty metre arc. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So we, we're always uh, and uh, I have horrible visions. Um, uh, but poor old Lockie Murphy standing there. At one stage, there were two tall um, uh, Melbourne defenders. And no, we had three. Lock- <laughs> Sorry? We had three on him. Three, was it? He well, did nearly win the ball. <laughs> the poor little bastard. Well, it's just ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous that we've got a set of half or we've got a full four, and you've got this poor little bugger supposed to beat three of them. So, um, Sveen's absolutely right about the positioning of Walker and about the positioning. Of Jenkins, they're just not in the right spot. No, they aren't. And, you know, uh, we started the year, remember, we were quite critical of our forward 50 entries. And I think there's still a bit of bit of that, Mac. I, I still think at times we make poor decisions or our disposal into the forward 50 uh, is not what it should be, like that pass to Tex uh, in the, yeah, it, uh, you know, at, towards the end there was, was just, just an easy kick that went straight over his head, you know. Um, so I, I still think there's some issues with uh, decisions and disposals inside 50. But I do think that we make it very difficult for our for the blokes coming through the through on transition, because we don't actually have a, a key forward that is straight lining. He's not leading into that line between where the ball carrier is and the goals. Hundred percent right. Yeah, they yeah. slow us down across the the half back line so that they can just that space. It's only when we can get that switch going that we can then get that kind of leading pattern there but the interesting thing is you look at only how many years ago was it that we had that damaging forward line which included Tex and included JJ and who was coaching it Pete. yeah yeah so but it can actually happen no no, no but, but that forward also comes down to coaching that that forward line was completely different uh, Nikki because we were pushing everyone up high 
and we were yeah, getting people out, out the back. We had amazing transition. So our speed off halfback was ridiculous. We were able to catch uh, defences pushed up too far and then we'd catch them over the back. We also had an extra marking forward uh, in McGovern yeah. who, even though you know he was inconsistent, he was still the type of player that you just couldn't leave alone because you leave him alone, he, he bobs up and takes a grab. So... We're a little bit big one, Charlie Cameron Speed. Exactly. So uh, you know, we're a little bit smaller. We're a little bit slower. We seem to lack a little bit of defensive pressure, and um, you know, the the blokes that are the 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 key marking forward seem to be a little bit out of touch. So the game has changed. Look, the game has changed, and I I think it's important. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with you on that, but for me, it also comes down to coaching in that because we had those advantages we had a setup for our forward line that worked with that we now have a different way of moving the ball but our forward line doesn't seem to be gelling with that way of moving and therefore there's a coaching issue that's going on there not just the players don't forget we had dangerfield as well nick we we had a, a far more powerful midfield Back then. Not in seven, not in seventeen. No, but we were playing that way in sixteen as well, Macca. We were pushing everyone up, and everyone was coming back over the top. I, I do think there's two factors in play here. Uh, the game's definitely changed, but I do think that Nicky is on a real, real good point here about the coaching <laughs> aspect, of it. Uh, because um, we, you know, I think Teague was a very, very good forward coach, and I don't think anybody's going to stick their neck out and say that Ben Hartman is anywhere a patch on Teague as a coach. And and I think there is a, there is a disconnect between uh, the rest of the way we're playing and our forward line. I don't buy it, Macca. I don't buy it for one moment. I know everyone goes on about Benny Hart, but I don't buy yeah. it. Josh Jenkins and Tex Walker and Eddie Betts and Tom Lynch have been playing in that role for years now. You don't forget how to be a forward. You don't forget how to take a mark. You don't forget where to lead. You don't forget separation. You don't forget all those things. Uh, And a coach at that level is not going to be concentrating on those sorts of things. So, you know, there there might be certain structural issues. I'll grant you that. But the simple fact is that a, a key post not putting himself in the right positions often enough comes down to the individual in my view i don't think it's coaching unless he's been told to be up high and and, no but uh, josh jenkins doesn't get told to run to the bloody fat side of the ground all the time because that's where no one is (laughs) like that's what he does that's what josh jenkins does he will like if he get if there's too many players in front of him he want the ball over the back he will not run to a crowded area and you know as well as I do if you're coming in off the wing you've got the ball in hand you want someone leading at you because you don't have time to be looking left and right at 90 degree angles you want someone leading in that V towards you right and that is exactly where Josh Jenkins will never put himself he will run he will run diagonally away from you or he'll want the ball over the back that's how Josh plays. That's how he's always played. And it's not coaching, yeah, not... it's the individual. Well, all right. But look, uh, I, still don't, I still don't think there is a, a proper transition in the forward line for some reason. And it, 
whether it's it's not just Jenkins. It's a um, it's uh, I do think that there is a disconnect sometimes when when we bring the ball from our back lines into through the midfield and. Uh, well, I don't. Players, I don't disagree with that, players, man. The players aren't in the right spot because then you see our our, our uh, bloke who's under pressure having just to kick it wildly, and there's nobody there. So, gradually, something's not quite right. But anyhow, we could argue about that. Yeah, and look, a lot of people were telling me on the, on the night that uh, Tex was being ignored a lot of the time where he was leading. But I'll put it to you again. I I don't know whether they're leading to the right spots. And and it's hard and it's hard for us to kind of tell because we only have that TV vision. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's that's why I, I'm not. And, that, t- and go. that TV vision is not good. But to my way of thinking, if you've got two strong key forwards, and let's face it, Jenkins is a is a big body, Tex is a big body. You like you run, you lead. Like remember how Lockett used to lead, and I know that neither of them are Tony Lockett, but Lockett and Dunster and those blokes they'd lead, and they wouldn't give a rat's ass who was in the way. They would but just neither. lead and out. You can't, you can't, you can't do that anymore. And neither these two. Nikki, guys Nikki, you, you can still be aggressive. Nikki, you can still be aggressive with your leads, and we're not. Our key forwards are not aggressive with their leading. Anyway, uh, Donkey was supposed to be on tonight too, but uh, I don't know where he is. Um, and before we get into the individual he's, stats... He's still, on, he's still on NT time, probably. Yeah, probably. Donkey, if you're listening, come on, mate. Um, just before we get into the individual stats, just a quick uh, thank you to um, Smith Partners Real Estate, of course. Ryan uh, currently over in England, I think he is at the moment, having been to the Monaco Grand Prix last week, um, and he tuned in for the rev up uh, over the weekend, so that was good. Uh, also, Down to Earth Electrical for all your electrical needs, and of course, thank you to everyone on Patreon as well who uh, gives us their support. Um, people who watch the rev up on the weekend would have noticed that the lighting was so much better this week. That's because with your support, we were able to buy some new lights, so that was lovely. Um, thank you very much, and we'll continue to reinvest that uh, those donations into equipment to uh, try and uh, keep the quality as good as it possibly can be. Right, let's get into some stats, you people. Uh, right, so uh, again, I want to. Uh, what's going on with bloody? Footy wife, for God's sakes. Look, I want to talk about uh, Brad Crouch again because, again, he was our leading stats getter. Uh, was almost, apart from Laity. Uh, 21 kicks and eight handballs. There's been a definite change in the way Brad's operating in terms of his disposals. Uh, three marks, three goals from Brad Crouch, five tackles, three inside 50s, seven clearances, four rebound 50s. Uh, he had 13 contested possessions, uh, only went at 55% disposal efficiency, so only 16 effective disposals. But he Part had. Part of that, though, was. Hang on, just hold on, playing. Nikki. Just hold your horses, okay. mate. Uh, he had uh, six clearances around the ground, nine score involvements, uh, and gained us nearly 600 metres. Go. So he had to take the Sloney role of that quick kick out of defence. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of those poor, that disposal efficiency drops off um, because of that. And then that was the problem with the way our forward line was structured 
we were pushing up high and then we dropped back and their opponents would still stay on that um, 50-metre arc. And so Brad's quick kick out from the pocket would pretty much end up on that 50 line and that's when they were getting those quick entries back in. Um, I, I agree with you, Nikki. I think you're right. So I, it, to me, this was a better game from Brad, taking into account that that's where some of that comes in. Um, I Three goals from Brad was very good, particularly that one of that, that last one, which there would have been a lot of mental pressure that was going on there. I still think you're right, though, Fiend, in that he's still not quite trusting that speed or whether he's lost that because of the surgery. Um, Look, possibly. It, it might be that he's lost that little bit of speed, that burst of speed that he used to have, which was what really separated him as that possible superstar midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure. Look, I'm going to have to reassess uh my my outlook on Brad because to be honest with you, I was quite surprised he had as many disposals as he did. So, I might have Brad Crouch blinkers on. So, I'm actually going to go back and watch the game uh and focus on Bradley because I I thought he was patchy. I thought he was in and out of it, and I didn't think that he had the impact that the stats seemed to suggest that he had. So I'm going. I'm going to sit on the fence, and I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to say too much uh, because I'm willing to put my hand up and say that maybe I'm just a bit. I've got some negative bias going on or something. Personally, I thought he played a good game and would be in our best three players. Yep, and that's and fair. That's fair enough. I'm I'm happy to accept that, Mac. As I said, I something's going on with the way that I'm seeing Brad Crouch at the moment. Thanks, Nikki, for your input. Uh, right, so <laughs> I had an input before. I didn't know I needed to say any more. Uh, well, I said yeah, enough. Come on. Yeah, well, that's probably you true. That's probably true. Uh, probably you good. You had some munchies there, Nick. Good, good judgment, Nick. Actually, uh, Lady, thirty-one touches, sixteen of fifteen, took six marks, four tackles, one inside fifty, five rebound fifties. Um, he had seven contested possessions, went at nearly eighty-eight percent disposal efficiency, nine score involvements, uh, three hundred and sixty meters game, seven intercept possessions. Uh, I still don't think that Laird is as effective as he has been in the past. Um, I'm surprised to see his disposal efficiency up as high as it was, to be honest. Because he, oh, he does a lot of short passes, though, Fiend. Um, yeah, but a lot of those lob ones as well that seem to go straight up in the bloody air. Yeah, well, that's because he's he, it's that under pressure. He's got somebody running at him. Yeah, no, I get. So yeah, I understand that. He's overall rate's but he, pretty good. But he's good. always done those little loopy ones. Mm. We've, we've o- always said that about him. His overall rate's pretty good though, and um, given him a normal situation of a clearance, and you'd back him to hit a chest uh, more often than a lot of them would. Yeah, probably. I'd, yeah, to me, he's slowly starting to get better. But I agree with you there, Fane, that he's not quite at the level oh, no. we know he can get to. But I thought he there was a lot more forward run um, from him than what we've seen over the past couple of weeks, and particularly we, we hadn't seen it at the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't his worst game, um, and they were under siege a little bit uh, at times. Oh, um, 
But, uh, yeah, just just probably a little bit off. Anyway, uh, Smithers, I thought, had a good game. 17 and 10 for 27, had 10 marks. Uh, only the one tackle, four inside 50s, uh, eight rebound 50s, however, which was good. Uh, only went at 63% disposal efficiency, but did gain us nearly 700 metres. Now, I want to know whether that 700 metres is net, because if he's gone at 63%, how many of that 700 metres came back over his head? But anyway... Uh, seven oh, well, score. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah, seven score involvements, eleven intercept possessions, turned it over seven times. However, um, but I thought he kept going, kept working hard all night. He had a good game, um, and uh, the you know the meters gain. I, I do love the ball in his hand because you know that he's going to use whatever pace he can for as far as he can, and I mean, he's got great pace, and he's going to use that pace for as far as he can, and uh, in. You know, nine times out of ten, he's going to give, give a very long kick. Now, you know that, I know that, and you would think our forwards would position ourselves when they saw Smith get the ball appropriately, but that isn't always the case. Well, that that's exactly what I'm talking about, Mac, with regards to Jenkins. Hmm. Smithers well, gets the ball; it should be he should be just leading straight up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, fair comment. Anyway, go on. And then, and then the one behind, leading behind him. As a switch back, so we can do the longer kick over if exactly. we need to. Uh, that's, Depending uh, on where the defend- who the defenders run. Forward movement oh, one hundred and one. Forward movement one hundred and one. Nick, and you know, just on that, how many times do we see a ball miss the leading forward, and oh, the next three and the next three blokes in line were bloody Melbourne players? I mean, I remember as a eight year old. What you'd do when you're doing lane work, uh, that you'd just kick it end to end, and then, it, but the guy behind was always told to back up, have to back up. Jesus yep, Christ, yep. it was like basic, fo- basic, basic football. And yet it happened time after time, Mac, where we had no one backing up the guy going for the mark. It was ridiculous. Anyway, uh, we'll keep going. Um, oh, now, look, all right. Look. Pete and I, <laughs> Pete and I, are going to punch on about this guy on Tuesday night. But let's let's uh, let's just wet the appetite. Rory Atkins, seventeen kicks, ten handballs, twenty-seven disposals, took eleven marks, two tackles, um, two inside fifties, seven uh, clangers. However, uh, two rebound fifties. Uh, let me have a look. Six contested possessions. Uh, his disposal efficiency was down for him, 67%. Uh, 11 score involvements, gained us 343 metres, uh, five intercepts, seven turnovers. Tell me what you thought. Uh, I can't tell you what I really think because you're not allowed to use that language in this broadcast. Correct. Uh, um, My but, son's listening on YouTube, Maka. Yes. Uh, wasn't a jolly good show. Um, 27 possessions, and I think... <laughs> Uh, probably the the worst twenty seven game possession the, uh, game that I've seen. Um, I'd hate to be a forward in front of that guy. He's in the open, but no, he's got to try and take somebody on, do a side step to try to push him off, get caught folding the ball instead. Uh, and he did that at a very crucial stage too. The bloody idiot! Oh, don't know. Um, bloody's all right. Bloody's all right. Uh, okay. Um, say bloody. And, uh, the number, uh, the language in my lounge room was shocking. You said yours was better. And it was generally aimed at one bloke. Not the umpires, this bloke. Because this bloke here fouled up so many of our forward opportunities by be- thinking he's got the fancy uh, t- uh, footwork, I'm going to dance around everybody and show him how good I am. 
and instead, nine times out there, they had to deliver the ball under pressure. Um, no, I, I don't like the guy um, in terms of, I think he's got a great natural talent. He's got great speed, but there's something mentally uh, adrift there in terms of just doing what's logical. Nikki? I think he he has a skill, which is how to save his own bacon um, at the end of the game. That he goes missing for long periods. He does, as you both have said, he takes too long to get rid of the ball into our forward line. He keeps trying to dodge and dart, which gets him into trouble. But it also, that makes it hard for our forwards because it's like, okay, we've let up. Well, do we have to lead again? Where the hell is he going now? That's my whole um, and, yeah, if you watch that, that last two minutes back again where Melbourne were really, really pushing, he was the one who kind of was actually going into the right defensive spot, was getting there. Okay, yeah, he dropped one of the marks, but he took two of the others. Terrible squib, that one. Yeah. There was a squib, Nicky. Oh, well, he marked the other two, which I think one of them was actually harder, which is really weird, um, which had more pressure on him. And it was... And I think, no, I don't think there was a squib. That was more of, it because it was a bit easier, he'd already started to think about what was to come next. And that's when you drop it instead of concentrating no, had, on what you're doing now. Really um, dropped it. He had a player running at him and he had a quick glance at him and dropped the ball. Yeah. But he's, he, I think he just manages to save himself by doing something like that. And I really, really need to see him drop back to the SANFL again because I don't, think he was particularly in that second quarter there were a number of things that had been yelling at the television of this is why we won't win finals with you in the team um and yet he then can pull it out for that last little bit which helps us you know win the game it, it's just I don't think he does so anything Nikki I don't think Nikki he does anything that about five other players on our list could do Right, Stop. and the the and problem that I've got with Rat was epitomised in I think it was the first quarter when he was on the end of um, either a handball or I think it was a handball. He was on the left half forward flank, just outside fifty, and someone's given the handball to him, and he's gone to take it one handed, and he spilled the ball oh, and yes. it went over that. the line. Oh. Right, And to me, that epitomises Rory Atkins because I think Rory Atkins thinks he's one hell of a footballer. I think Rory has a massive, massive opinion of himself as a footballer. And uh, it's costly, unfortunately, because he's not as good as what does he think. Uh, Confidence is fine, but you've got to... But there was no reason for Atkins to take that ball one-handed, right? It was lairising. It, and it, and it, it shows a lack of con- concentration. It shows a, a lack of care about the ball. Um, and it shows a pretty high opinion. And it, that should have been an easy run-in goal, right? Uh, in the end, it was out of bounds and the ball comes back out. Now, that's just as bad as a squib, you know, because it's it's not it's not committing to what you're doing. It's basically being more worried about how you look and less worried about what you're doing. And to me, that's Rory Atkins all over. He dyes his hair, he wears his golden boots, he goes for the one-handers, he goes for the fend-offs, he likes to dance around. He's got some fantastic skill, uh, particularly by foot, 
Um, and he's a great player to have on the end of uh, a chain of, of possessions um, because he is one that will be able to hit someone on the boob uh, with a forward 50 entry. Yep. But that's only one facet of the game, and unfortunately the other facets of the game, uh, he's proving quite costly, and I don't think the balance is enough at the moment to be able to accept his output in those areas of the game in order to, you know, have him doing those little lace-outs and all that sort of stuff. We, we, need to, we need to look at other people. You know, there are other people bashing down the door for a game. There are other people that we're ignoring for a game. And uh, I even felt that um, David McKay was uh, unlucky to initially be left out ahead of Atkins because at least McKay has a dip. Yes. Um, and is and, probably and a wingman as well. And knows how to run defensively. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to be as... I, I, I roasted Atkins on the previous show, and I'm trying to be as balanced as I can, but uh, I just think he's... Uh, I think he's got a massive opinion of himself. I don't think he concentrates. I think he, he tries to layer eyes, and it outweighs the good things that he does. So, yeah. Well, we'll have fun with Pete Tuesday night then because, you know. Well, you know. He, I think Pete's weakening a bit, though. He's starting to open his eyes a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, Pete knows football, so, I mean, you can't. Well, he's a good joke. Can't, can't ignore it. <laughs> um, so, anyway. man, unfortunately. So, yeah, 27 kicks from, from Atkins, or 27 disposals from Atkins, or whatever it was. Um, uh, yes, that's the positive. Um, the seven turnovers and the the squibbing of contests probably cost us, you know, a couple of goals. It wasn't probably as glaring as the West Coast game where he directly cost us goals. Um, but I, I think he deserves to go back and just and just uh, tighten up his game at the very least. Uh, next, did, go. sorry, we did go on. see that we did see that from Rat when he got sent back to the SNFL last year, and when he came back in. He was actually correcting some of these things that we're talking about because he had that little sustained period in the SNFL. Yeah. Um, and-, and I would very much want to send him back. And I really want to see Davis at some stage to what he can actually do in an AFL team because um, I think he can't show enough. And we've been playing him on the wing. We played him on the wing against North this weekend. Yeah, we might get to that in a minute, Nick. Um Tommy Lynch, I actually thought was, with Ellis Yeoman, probably our most consistent uh, player. 16 yeah. and 10 for 26, took 13 marks, three goals, uh, one tackle, four inside 50s. Um, he also had seven contested, went at nearly 70%, had 10 score involvements, gained us 500 metres. Um, and uh, I just felt like he worked and worked and worked uh, and he... He is definitely the link in the chain in terms of our transition. Well, he was my best player, actually. And Lynch, I, for the very reasons that you just said, um, I, you know, you'd love to see how many miles or kilometres, sorry, that he actually did cover for the game because he does work his backside off. And he, I mean, when he got that goal in the last quarter, he kicked that ball and he was nearly out to it. He was so tired because he'd run so far. And, and he really, I thought Tommy just, uh, when when Tom didn't play, we looked like a, a floundering ship because we had we had that total disconnect between our forward line yep. and, and 
the rest of the uh, players. But uh, no, he is a connect. There's no doubt about that. And he, I thought he was outstanding. His game was excellent. And Vardy Magic in the chat. Thanks, Vardy. You're an absolute legend, mate. Uh, the two games that Lynchy's played in Darwin, almost identical stats. 27 disposals, right. three goals. 26 disposals, three goals. So uh, he likes it in the territory. Uh, yeah, Ellis Yeoman, uh, I actually thought was our best midfielder and I would have probably given him best, to be honest with you. Uh, 13 and 12 for 25 touches, four marks, kicked goal. Uh, that was a very... People who think Ellis Yeoman can't kick, just go and watch that goal, all right? And then oh, shut yeah. up, and then shut up. Uh, two tackles, three inside 50s, five clearances... Um, he had 10 contested possessions when at 72% disposal efficiency, guys. Um, nine score involvements, gained us over 300 metres. Um, I just felt like he didn't give up inside in the contest against some, against one of the bigger-bodied midfields going around. I just thought he was immense. Oh, yeah, yeah. terrific game, terrific game. And, Him uh, and Greenwood in the last. Yeah, but I, you know, I had uh, Cam up in my best three players, which were, were Crouch, Lynch, and him. And you could juggle them around in whichever order you like. They just they were good players. And um, gee, I, he he does give a hundred percent, doesn't he? He uses that big body, and uh, he's, he's got his stats. I he had twenty five disposals, but there's so much work he does where you don't get a stat for it. Yeah, um, blocks and um, yeah. Uh, bustling and all the rest of it. And yeah. as I keep saying, yeah, Macri his... doesn't go to ground. What no. was his disposal efficiency? 72. Which, for that, for those 25 disposals, you know, that's a really nice that you're getting, you know, 20... Well, it gives him more... Quality gives, disposals. Gives him more effective disposals than Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there, uh, therein lies my point. Uh, I, I, I'm so pleased for Ellis Yellman that A, he's been given an extended run, uh, and B, that he's taken it in, in both hands. I think he's been our bo- most consistent inside midfielder for the season. Mm-hmm. I think he's a bit unfashionable. He's not flashy. He's not a big name or anything like that. Oh, he's got a long name, but he's not a big name player, you know. Um, but I. I think he's he's fast becoming one of the premier inside midfielders in the competition, and there's not he's too many inside. Yeah, there's not too many inside midfielders with his size. He's starting to remind me a bit of a JPK for Sydney, mm. Um, mm. and uh, he's still got a fair way to go in his career too. So I'm really pleased for Ellis Yeoman that he's persisted, and I'm glad that the club have persisted with him because it looked for a little while as if uh, he was he was on the outer. So. Um, well, he, there you go. he was the last man signed up, wasn't he? Yeah, that's he's right. He's still a rookie. That's right. That's right. Amazing. I hope he's getting paid more than rookie wage because he deserves it. He he definitely does. I mean, he would because on the rookie wage you actually get quite a nice if you actually play yeah. um, AFL. That's uh, you get that nice um, little bonus on, and he's making it impossible to drop him. And what I like best is that he makes smart decisions because of his size, and he knows he's not quick. He can create that space to give himself the time to make the right decisions. He rarely gets caught with the ball. Yeah, and he doesn't um, panic terribly much. Yeah, he doesn't panic. And he also, it's that um, I just love watching him play because you know you're going to get something good when he gets the ball. 
Yep. Um, I thought was in and out of the game a bit. 13 and 9 for 22. Took seven marks, uh, five clearances, four rebound 50s. Um, he had seven contested possessions, went at 95.5% disposal efficiency, if you don't mind. Uh, he was th- one of the changes yeah. he made in the um, second half because he went into the back lines. Yeah. He was yeah. in midfield rotations forward and we swapped him. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he was more effective behind the ball, I felt. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So not a bad game from Wayne. I think the rest of these players are sort of probably you could class as in and out of the game. I thought Huey Greenwood uh, was quiet. Uh, and I think we need to start asking a little bit more of Hugh. Um, he ended up with 9 and 11, but he had a big last quarter. Um, four marks, seven tackles, uh, two clearances. Um, 10 contested possessions but he only gained us 137 metres uh, and I, I think I think uh, we're either seeing the limitations of Hugh's game or Hugh needs to start um, having a bit more of an impact on games don't you think? Um, yeah he's not he's not at total efficiency for the whole game at the moment and um, but um, I, he's certainly playing well enough to hold his uh, place in the side. Oh, yeah, no he doubt. Give, he gives that extra pair of strong hands up forward because he can take a strong overhead mark. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I suspect that some of the period, uh, and I don't know this is a fact, but that when he was out of the game could have been when he was uh, wrestling up forward um, when the ball wasn't possibly, there. Possibly, possibly, Maka. So it's, it's it's hard to say, but uh, and his last quarter was outstanding and uh, a big, contrib- uh, big contribution to our yeah. win, actually. And he's another one that doesn't panic, and that's the basketball background in him. He is so good in close quarters. Uh, he gets his hands, he gets his arms up, he gets his hands free. He doesn't panic Every give time, like Brad yeah. Crouch can do. Um, I, I'm surprised blokes aren't starting to chop his arms when he gets them up like that. Um but, uh, he, he does it too quick. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was in the chat gave him the nickname of criminal because every time he gets the ball, he puts his hands up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pendlebury does that quite a bit too. So yeah. It's obviously a basketball thing. Yeah, well, you, it's you also... Get your arms up to keep your hands clear. And yeah, that's right. It. Yeah. I mean, that's a skill that's also taught, but you don't see many players doing it these days. Um, Seisman, as we've already spoken about, had 17 touches, was kind of in and out, did a couple of good things. Dave McKay didn't really notice all that much, um, had 16 touches. Um, Jenkins. You know who who I thought had a bad game? Mm. Alex Keith. Yeah, I'm going to get to him, uh, Nick, uh, because I don't disagree, but I think there might be some reasons for that. Um, Jenkins... We've already spoken about, um, look, he took seven marks and kicked two, three. It's a pass for me. Jake Kelly did some really good things and some really bad things. His defensive work, Jake, is really good. Uh, Ball in hand, he annoys the crap out of me. So there you go. That's me. And that's that's your bias showing there with Kelly. Yeah. Because I think you kind of want him to do more. He's going to occasionally do the one little stuff up. Um, but for me, I love Jake's endeavour. I love the fact that he knows what his limitations are and he tries to play within them as much as possible and he works on his um, mistakes. That spoil he did in the, that last two minutes for that low down um, mark and to spoil that that mark, I, you know, that is – he stays in the team for me. And I think he's always stays in the team. You know what you're going to get with him. 
He's not an out-and-out outstanding defender like Talia used to be. He's not a defender like Luke Brown, but he's a very good defender. Yeah, my thoughts on him is that he, you're right, Nicky. He plays within his limitations, and uh, if you had a better player, you'd, you'd replace him, but I don't think we do have a better player to replace him. Uh, what was his efficiency, uh, Ben? 60. Used... 60? Well, it's not as good as I thought it was. So, nope. um, um, I'll I take it back. I've got to knock it back. My memory is he did the cap. But the one thing I was very angry with him about was that um, and it comes back to what you said, Nicky, about playing within his limitations. Sometimes he limits himself further back in his limitations because they were an adventurous player or a player with some uh, real imagination would have sometimes when he got the ball immediately played on because there was somebody ahead that he could have given the ball to, but he doesn't do that. And um, I think he missed a few opportunities to do that on yeah, the weekend. You're, you're right, and it was interesting, Matt, because they had a, a down-the-ground angle that they used a bit more often than usual um, at that ground. I don't know whether it's a configuration or whatever, but they did use that down-the-ground down aspect uh, more, and it showed a few times where um, Jake just just didn't want to back himself in and, and move it on mm. quickly. Um, and... I think that's probably where I get frustrated with him. But, look, I don't disagree with you, Nick. Uh, as a defender, he was quite good. Uh, and, Mac, you did set right. Uh, if we had a better player, we'd play him, but we don't. So there he is. Mm. Um, of the rest, let's talk a little bit about Keith. Um, I think Keith really suffered from Hardigan being out. And I think it shows that as a one-out defender, uh, he has a little way to go. Well, he had a mixed bag, though. He had 10 intercepts uh, off memory, which is very, very good for a, uh, a player in defence. Uh, but he had some pretty bad moments as well where he got caught out. And uh, so, and I think you're right. I think uh, the lack of Hardigan, much as I, you know, um, when he, I do give Hardigan a hard time when he has to think and he makes a boo-boo, but I think he is an integral part of the back line. Um, and uh, the Having a totally a slightly different structure there with that extra small in McKay, um, it did make a difference. Uh, I think, Fiend, that the uh, the support he would have got from Talia Hardigan was now down to only one tall, and uh, which meant that he was more according that situation more often. But uh, whereas his strength is, they take care of the big blokes, and he comes into the intercept uh, situation. He and I thought he did the intercept quite well, but he did get caught out. Uh, uh, away from his man a couple of times. I think there's also the past couple of weeks of what I've really noticed is that opposition teams are working very hard to keep him away from the play. Yeah, and he I hasn't agree. quite figured out how to work around that yet. And he's he's still a very young player in in that role, learning it. I think you are spot on, Fiend, that the loss of Hardigan um, was a real kick down for that. But why I was a little bit disappointed is that He's got such great timing, but he was running under the ball continuously. He he didn't quite have it, whereas we saw the, the start of the year, he was marking those balls. He was getting that punch, yeah. whereas he was just that little bit under it. And, and that's much, what happens just enough. That's what happens when you're a bit more closely marked, uh, Nick. Uh, yeah, when you've got a bloke on you. Well, not only that, sometimes it just actually messes in with your head a little bit and you tend to get under mm. the ball a bit. 
Um, so, yeah, no, it's a good observation. I just want to point out to DSG, thanks uh, in the chat, pointing out that uh, Cam and I had a bet on the rev up that uh, JJ would kick four or more goals. He didn't, so Cam, get those beers organised. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Easy money. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it was. Uh, Eddie Betts um, sort of sniffed around for three quarters and then you could just see it in his eyes, couldn't you? He just got... he. He just had that feeling that we were in the game and he was going to make something happen. And, uh, yeah, boy, didn't he, he turn it on the last, last quarter? That, yeah. that pass to Crouch, how many the, other small forwards would have had a shot on goal? Th- yep. Not even look. And and also, you actually have to give credit to Murphy there because Murphy came in and took out those Melbourne players. Yeah. Look, and also the... the and I think um, that was actually slightly deliberate. The... Um, the ability to keep his feet and to be very composed in that other situation where everyone else sort of fell on the ball and, and he was there just to, to pick it out the back and uh, run in as well. Uh, vintage bets, uh, I th- thought he was crucial in that last quarter and uh, it's why he's in the team, isn't it? You know, he only mm. needs four or five touches and he can burn you. So he kicked a couple of goals in the end, but uh, they were very key goals at the death. Gibbs, we've talked about, did a good job on Oliver in the second half, but it begs the question, and someone asked me this on uh, in DMs on Big Footy, and I thought it was a very valid point. Are we now at the point where Bryce Gibbs is nothing more than a tagger? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's a sad situation if that is the case, because you know, having paid the price that we did pay for him, um, no, look, we... we Unfortunately, we had this uh, Gibbs mania that we wanted him back. And that look, at his best, he was a very good footballer, but he's not at his best at the moment, in my opinion. And whether that's uh, – look, he isn't the player – and even then, he was never going to be the player that would, would you flag because he hasn't got really one outstanding feature, in my opinion. Um, he's, he's a good player, but what's his outstanding feature? Well, it's probably his foot skills, but even that's gone off the boil in the, the ball last. First before you do well, that. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair call, um, Mac. I, I'm just disappointed with him. Just disappointed yeah, look, with him. Up, Simon Moore quite said, uh, rightly says, "Can't be a free wheeler like he was at Carlton." And look, that, that's what he was. He was he was virtually had to play his own game uh, at Carlton and not worry about the result um, because the others weren't any good anyhow. So. Um, Look, having said that, if he can do a run with job and, and get a bit of the agate himself and do a little bit of damage going the other way, then it's not such a bad thing, right? Um, and, look, I, I think if he doesn't keep Oliver quiet, we don't win that game. So there's not as if we're devaluing his uh, his effort in the game. Um, but you'd, you'd wish it was somebody else that was doing it and Bryce actually, you know, doing some of the, the silky stuff. But, you know, I think we have to just be resigned to the fact that that's not the case. Um, and I, I think he's definitely in our best 22 um, in that kind of role. I think he can he can be quite serviceable and he might have games where he gets off the chain a bit. But, uh, yeah, I think we bought on perhaps a little bit of nostalgia, as it turns out. Um, and I dare say his best is probably behind him. Yeah, well, we paid we paid for a Rolls Royce, and we got we got a VW, so that's what it is. <laughs> uh, Gluch, I thought he was really good. Thirteen touches, uh, three marks, one goal. 
people bag him. He doesn't do enough, etc. He's behind, you know, Barry and the others and all the rest of it. Look, he's had a couple of injuries. He didn't get the same opportunities early on as those blokes did. Uh, but he does enough and he does some things that make me make me look forward to the next 50 or 60 games because I just think he's going to improve out of sight. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I think he's got the massive potential. And uh, if you ever want to be leading to any one of the uh, Crows footballers on the lead up forward, he's the man you'd want to be leading to. He's got, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't break stride at all. He just he, no. he, get, he gets his body down low over the ball and he just does his beautiful little passes right on their chest. And, uh, yeah, I, I really like Gooch and... Uh, just keep playing. Even if he has a bad game now and again, just, yeah, keep, just playing. keep playing. He's going to be a good, he's yeah, be a good he's, player. He's slowly starting to build up those possessions. He's playing on that no man's land, that half forward, when he is a midfielder. Yep. We know that that's primarily what he is. Um, the fact that we kept him and dropped Knights, I really liked the fact also that he can kick those beautiful passes with either foot. So that makes him so damaging and hard to counter. Um, and I think somebody in the chat also um, likened him to, you, you would feel like Dunstall getting a pass from Darren Jarman with a, one of the kicks that he's putting in. It's just those, it was just so noticeable how different his quality going into our forward line was than the rest of our team. And I, and I love the little, the, the twirl of his moustache after he kicked the goal. That was quite yeah. nice. And then did you actually notice in the song Greenwood tried to do it to him as well? Yes, he yeah. did. Well, I'll, I'll give you this, right? So Gallucci sort of had uh, 11 touches. Um, sorry, he had more than that. He had 13 touches, didn't he, I think? Uh, what do you have? Yeah, 13 touches, etc., etc. I'll just read you someone else's career average because this is the bloke that he's probably keeping out. At the moment, uh, someone else eleven career average, eleven kicks, seven handballs, so eighteen touches, three marks, half a goal, three and a half tackles, uh, three and a bit inside fifties, etc., etc. That's who he's keeping out at the moment. So we're not actually losing anything by having Gallucci in the side ahead of Richard Douglas. I agree with that. You know, Richard Douglas is the perennial 15-toucher-a-week player uh, over the course of his career, and that's been my main criticism of Dougie. Um, but And we don't see Gallucci go to ground as much. We don't see Gallucci fumble as much. Uh, we see better delivery by foot uh, than Douglas. So if it's a choice between the two, and I believe it is, then Gallucci for mine every day of the week. Well, I, in my opinion, football clubs have to make choices like that in the sense that um, do you do what you've always done and keep playing Douglas and get what you've always got or do you play somebody like a Gallucci who's got uh, massive potential, in my opinion, to be a very, very good player and is definitely on the rise and he had a, a limited pre-season. He had uh, injuries there and he's just, just he's building at the moment and, you know, I think by... He, Last year he showed that he was building towards the end of the year, and he will keep building towards the end of the year if they keep playing him. And I, and that's where you've got to make a reward. Uh, you got to make a decision, and you'll get a reward out of it by uh, sticking with it because I think he's a player that can be a very good player for us long term. 
Yeah. And you, but there's one other thing he has that Douglas doesn't have. Pace. Yeah. Exactly. Nick. And we know Pike likes him for yeah. that. Um, now, so he's got those beautiful skills. Correct. Now we've got to hurry up because if we go over one thirty, then that's bad. Ah. <laughs> and we're at 128. So of the rest, I just want to spend a moment on Tex. I think he's out of form. I don't think he's right. I think he's too heavy. I think he's worried too much. Um, trouble is you can't drop him, correct? Correct. Um, Lockie Murphy tries his guts out, does some good things, not enough output, uh, not enough reward for effort in my view, correct? I had a poor game. I'd rather by his standards. I'd rather game. chase in there than Lockie, to be honest. He only had four. Um, he I, only had four touches. I would purchase uh, Chase rather than Lockie at the moment because I think that Chase has got a long term. Again, you got to make those decisions uh, about long term careers. And Chase I think, looked a little bit tired in the SNFL. He needed well, the break. That well, that's possible. But there's others too. You could you could give Ned McHenry a run. I think I, I think there's you could yeah. give. Uh, Stangler run ahead of Murphy. Um, I, four yeah, four touches isn't yeah. enough. Four touches, one tackle isn't enough. We only we had bugger all uh, tackles inside fifty, Nick, and that's one of his jobs. We had you know what was it? Uh, seven tackles inside fifty for the night, uh, and it's one of Murphy's one of the reasons to have Murphy in the side, and he only contributed one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think Ned, Ned needs to come come in. He's been playing. Really well and consistently um, in the in the SNFL. Stengel, unfortunately, our small forwards. It was not a day for small forwards in the SNFL. No, so but I, he's got an he's, to go. Stengel's done he's enough. Good. Yeah, I think he. I think he has built nicely. Um, I just do wonder about that pace. Um, it's the um, his tank. For that particular mm. role in the AFL, is slightly yeah. different how it is in the SNFL. That's, so, that, that, that is the deficiency in Stengel. Stengel and, and Stengel has actually got very good natural talent around the goals. But uh, the Lockie Murphy role is uh, goals are a bonus as far as he's concerned. Uh, the rest of it is that defensive forward, and that's why, as Fiend said, one tackle's not good enough for the no. night. And uh, the the possession number is very low as well. Now, on the way out, can anyone tell me what was wrong with Hardigan? Because I haven't been able to find out. What was the problem? No one knows. Chat world, anybody know? No, I don't think. You know what? I reckon it was tactical. I don't reckon he was injured at all. I reckon we thought we might have been a bit top heavy. Yeah. Um, because why else would you bring in DMAC for Hardigan? It's a silly, silly swap unless it's tactical. Anyway, look, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks, guys. It's uh, it's an interesting time for the Crows. It's hard to be too gleeful about that win, but a win's a win at this time of the year and et cetera, et cetera. So we'll take it. Thank you, everyone, on the uh, on the. Uh, uh, chat on Spreaker. We're up over 640 again this week. Good boys. Uh, Facebook chat's been good too. Thanks, guys. And thanks, everyone, on YouTube as well. Don't forget, uh, we'll be back on Tuesday night. So all all these and other questions. Mm-hmm. There's only one cockwomble for this week, and that's Port Adelaide, the China game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, sorry, Nick. I, yeah, we're just going too long. Um, yeah, that's fine. 
Yeah, so thanks, Ryan, at Smith Partners Real Estate. Uh, thanks, Down to Earth Electrical. Thanks to all our patrons. Don't forget, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash aflcrowcast or go to aflcrowcast.com and click on the Patreon button. We'll be back on Tuesday night for lots of chat, I reckon. Uh, lots to talk about. Um, thanks very much to everyone for listening and supporting us, and we'll see you then. Good night, guys. Yeah, good night, all. Night. <laughs>